In Revelation, the first chapter, and we're going to begin reading in uh, the 18th verse. He said, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. These verses right here are after Jesus died and rose again, and he explains something that he got. He was alive, then he was murdered, killed as a substitute on the cross. And so he said, I was dead, now I'm alive, and I live forevermore. And then it goes on and says, uh, amen, or so be it, and I have the keys of Hades and death. And if you look at the word, some people in their Bibles where it says Hades, they'll have a number right there and it'll tell you, mine says L-I-T, which is the literal translation. So you could say when he got done after he died and rose again, he said, I have the keys of the unseen and of spiritual death. Jesus got the keys to the unseen realm. What are unseen, what's the unseen realm? We live in a seen realm that was made by an unseen realm. In other words, God lives in the unseen, or you could say it like this, what you would see with your natural eyes. Because how many of you know you're not seeing God all the time with your natural eyes? Nor are you seeing demons with your natural eyes. Nor are you seeing angels. Nor have you seen heaven. But can the unseen be influencing people all the time? When people are killing people like they are, and people are going, I don't understand why are they acting like this, just know there's unseen entities influencing them. And he said, I have the keys, literally, or I have the ways of the unseen. I have now got control of the ways of the unseen realm. When Jesus died and rose again, we know the Bible said he stripped the devil of his power. Somebody said, well, if the devil's been stripped, what's going on with me? Because he works through lies. He works through deception. And now we have the truth and we have authority. Now go to Revelation, the 12th chapter. So he gave us or he got the keys or the understanding and the ways of the unseen. So if Jesus knows how the unseen realm operates and he got the knowledge and the keys and got the victory there, do you think that would be helpful for us? You know, the unseen realm, we, we all believe in it. Anybody who's ever prayed has lived in this realm of feeling and seeing and prayed in the unseen realm, expecting that the unseen realm would have an influence on the seen realm. Whether it was for a job, whether we were praying for a relative, we were reaching out through prayer and extending our heart to God, expecting that the unseen would come back and influence the seen. Right? So here's the thing. When somebody said miracles aren't for today, then that means you believe prayer doesn't work. Because a miracle just literally means a divine intervention in the natural course of life. So in all reality, every believer, true person who's gotten saved, believes in miracles. Because when they called on the name of the Lord, they called on somebody they couldn't see. And when they called out of the unseen realm, you could say it this way, the realm that's not perceived by mere touch and sight, 
reached in, so to speak, into them spiritually and recreated them and made them brand new in their spirit. And that's why we're conscious of God. That's why we recognize an inward drive, because we have been touched, so to speak, worked on, made new from the unseen. And how did that happen? There became a way, an avenue to reach, right? After Jesus died and rose again, he said, whoever would call on my name would be saved. You, you call out there, and then I will do a work inside of your spirit and make you a new creation in Christ. So we know that every believer that's called on the Lord really does believe in miracles. And what happened immediately after you, you know, heard the message and responded, you started learning to function by the keys or the way of the unseen. You did. And everybody can operate this way that's a believer. You could go tell somebody about Jesus, pray with them to get saved, and when they call on the name of the Lord, they're calling out with their natural voice, but from their heart, from their spirit, God will respond. You know, we read a verse last Sunday night how he said to people, I know the plans I have to you. Most people know those verses, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? And how they're good, not whatever. But then you read the verses after, and I said this, those thoughts don't do you much good. Those positive thoughts left to themselves will not do you a lot of good. They won't. What if every week I said this? I said, I believe you deserve more money. Those are my thoughts to you. Then next week you come back and I say, I really believe you deserve more money. Right? And, and you get stirred up a little bit. Yeah, he's for me. Then week after week, I keep doing that. Does it make a change in his life? No. Maybe he might be encouraged. But you have to read the verses after. He said, listen, what you need to do is turn to me. And he said, then, if you will call on me, I will hear you. Then he said, if you will seek me with all your heart, then you'll find and you'll get it. In other words, you'll get his plan, and the stuff will go into motion. In other words, my thoughts will not just be an expression. It'll start happening in your life. How many people just need a real commitment to the Lord and go after it, and they'll get a response? Because here it is. We all know his plans. They're good. They're not bad. But what does that really do for you? Nothing left by itself. Right? He wants everybody in the world to be saved. Left by itself, that doesn't do anything. But if people would go after him and learn to call on his name, then, then people would be getting saved. That's what would do it. I'm not belittling the one, but it can't be just left by itself. But he tells you, if you'll go after me, where does God dwell? Well, in your spirit, by his spirit, but then he still is in heaven. And so if we would seek him there, he said, I would respond to you. Because he knows the way these things operate. And what's interesting, Jesus instituted his name. He said, after I die and rise again, he said, you won't ask me anything. 
He said, whatever you'll ask the Father in my name, he'll do it. He was teaching us the ways of the unseen. He was trying to help us so that from the time when he died and rose again till the time he returns, we could accurately operate and influence and have influences from the unseen realm that would affect us. And there are people who don't realize they have more rights, privileges, and influence in the unseen realm than they know. And a lot of things happen to people because they just don't know. You with me? But Jesus wants us to know. So Revelation, the 12th chapter, he has the understanding and the keys to the unseen realm. And the big thing is, is the unseen realm needs to influence this realm. Would you agree? If it didn't, I wouldn't be saved. If it didn't, I wouldn't be victorious over sin. If it didn't, I would be in trouble. You know what I mean? Left to myself. But the whole thing is, is didn't the Bible say in Ephesians, the first chapter, we studied this, how that, you know, giving thanks to the Father, you know, how He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that means everything you'll ever need in this world is bought and paid for and is in the spirit realm. The salvation that the world desperately needs to be born again, any, everything is already bought and paid for. It'd be like somebody saying, hey, you're going to build a house? Let me tell you something. You got the property, I'm going to take care of it all, and they come and bring stacks of copper pipe, they bring a water heater, they bring appliances, they bring lumber, they bring cement, they bring insulation, they bring nails, screws, I mean, you know, fixtures, toilets, sinks, roofing tiles, and they come and everything you'll ever need to build that house, they dump it at your house and say, it's all yours. Hey, that's good news. It's just all yours. It's already bought. It's already paid for. But do you have a house? No, but you have the potential, right? So let's look at this real quick before we go back. That will make sense in a minute. Because he said, I already bought and I already paid for it. So that could mean that everything you need, you don't have to beg God for. He's already paid for it. So you already know his will on the subject. But notice this. What if they are there in the spirit, but we need to get them into our lives in the natural? And is it up to me or is it up to God? Or is God looking and has taught us a way to cooperate with Him so that we can transfer these real objects that are there in the Spirit and get them into the natural? Real objects. Real influences. Real things. And, I mean, these objects can work if you know how to do it. Notice this in Revelation 12.11. And they overcame him, and we know it's the devil because we read this last week, how he accuses people. What, it tells us his main way of working, accusations. 
And we know they're subtle because there's verses that say that. You might just think you're thinking it up all by yourself, that you're just going to fail. And it just ain't going to work. I just thought that all up by myself. You say, I've just been negative my whole life. Well, then you've been listening to this for a long time. But that doesn't mean that's how it is. Notice this. He said, and they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And then it goes on to say, and they did not love their own lives to the death or they didn't follow their own path. So you could say this, they overcame by the blood of the lamb, meaning this, every person, and he's talking about believers, has been bought, has accepted the payment, they're no longer the devil's possession. And so the only thing next is, is the word of your testimony. The word of your testimony is vital. Turn now to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Why is your testimony or your personal declaration so important? You know, there are times and stories in the Bible where people got their testimony right and got their testimony wrong. You know, the children of Israel going into the promised land, they said, we can't do it. You know, the Bible said it was their unbelief that held them out, not God. But then another generation rose up and he told them, don't say a word. I'm going to tell you what to say and I'm going to tell you when to say it and how to do it. Because these principles work. And notice this here in Ephesians, the 6th chapter. We'll begin reading in the 16th verse. And it said, Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we've been talking about this, so if you haven't been here, there's a list of things that are called armor that every believer should have on. But he said, listen, even if you don't have those above these, this is the highest. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is what we're looking at. You could say it like this, the sword that works in the spirit realm. So we're talking about the ways of the Spirit and that if we have a sword of the Spirit that works in the Spirit, we can see that it somehow has to do with our testimony over there. How many times did Jesus have people come to him, fascinating, like in Mark 9 or something, and he gets a blind guy that comes to him. He can't see and he walks up to Jesus He's screaming at him, and people are like, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And, uh, you know, leave him alone, leave Jesus alone. And Jesus walking by, but he lifted up his voice all the more and started, no, hey, Jesus. And then Jesus finally stopped. And he said, have him come. So the man threw off his garment, which, you know, back then they would wear things that would designate you know, he was poor or had a disease or something like that. So when he threw off that garment, that symbolized his blindness. And think about it. They said, he calls you, go to him. He's blind. And he goes to Jesus. Jesus didn't even say, help him come over here. You know how many people try to help 
Think about what Jesus did when he met the guy that had the blind eyes that they were missing, and he spit in the, in the ground and made mud and slapped them in his eyes. He said, now go to the pool of Siloam and wash, and then you'll see. And he didn't say, now you and you take him by the hand. Have you ever looked where he had to go? He had to go down alleys or down streets. I mean, it wasn't like, go over there to the drinking fountain in the hallway. Jesus sent him off with big old mud clods on his eyes made of loogies. If you don't know what that is, spit. And he's walking down the street. And he, he can't go anywhere. He has to go there. And there's many times people are commanded to go there. One time a guy was with leprosy, he said, go, go have him dip seven times in this river. And the guy had leprosy, and he got mad at the prophet. And he said, we got cleaner rivers where we're, where we're from. But you don't get to dip where you want to dip. You with me? And some people are trying to get it their own way and do things their own way. And they ain't going to get it your own way. You know, like they say, this isn't Burger King, this is King of Kings. And you don't get it your way, you do it his way. Or else you sometimes just will do without. And because so many people want to approach on their way. And so he said to this person that came to him, he's totally blind. He walks up to Jesus, and Jesus said, hey, what's up? And then he asked him this, what do you want me to do for you? Hello? But what if he just would have said, you know, I'd like some extra money. That's where his faith was. But he said that I might receive my sight. We approach on his terms. Jesus knew how to operate in this realm, and he taught his disciples. And then he's trying to teach us. And so when he said here, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, we've got to approach on His terms and recognize there is a sword that reaches into the Spirit, and we all are to use it. Not on each other. You with me? In the Spirit. Notice this, though, because it, it'll, it'll help you. He said in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation, then the next part says... And the sword of the Spirit, and then it says, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God is the sword that reaches into the Spirit. But it's interesting because there's two primary words that are used when you see the word, word. You know, when we talk about the word, let's get the word out. You know, in the Bible, you know, we talk about the word. There's a Greek word, logos, you know, that's the written word. This is a different word. It's the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A. It's a different kind. It's not the written word. It's the spoken word. So when he said the sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken word of God, how did they overcome? By what they spoke, based on truth and we need to understand this. What is yours? How does this work? Is it just saying? 
because somebody says this and people go around saying stuff all day long and uh, they're not speaking. They're saying the right thing, but they're not doing it right. Meaning this, we know from other scriptures, for this to work, you have to believe in your heart what you say. And the only way to believe in your heart for something from God is know that it belongs to you. And so when I said that earlier, you know, the Ephesians, the first chapter, look at this. And we'll look at this again because we didn't turn there. So I've got to believe there is something that I can't see that belongs to me first. You with me? As a believer, before you see it, you must believe it is yours. That's important because some people don't. They just go to saying stuff. They don't know if it belongs to them. They got all kinds of weird ideas like God may not want me to be blessed. How ridiculous is that? Where did that is a super religious idea? So, how many of you would testify to somebody, we serve a good God? But he, but he doesn't want you blessed, but he's good. That doesn't make sense. Not with all the scriptures say if you put him first and seek him first, he'll start adding things to your life. Where do those ideas come? But what they do do is make people fall back in their belief and go, well, he doesn't want me blessed. And you know what you're basically doing? Letting something out of your heart and mouth that's going into the spirit. How many people say things like this? Calamity always comes my way. Have you ever seen people talk like that and believe it? And after a while, it's like they're a magnet. Because can you build stuff in the spirit realm with your heart belief and your mouth? Can you? You better believe it. And you know the only person who can tear it down is you. And the only one who can build it up is you. And it's determined, this is why there's so much emphasis in the New Testament about people, after they're saved, renewing their mind. Why? Because you'll even hear people say this, I'm a believer, I need power. I need, I'm a believer, I need this. I'm a believer, I need this. I told the group the other day, looking at some cars, there's a car, or a, a certain line of cars, where... When you first get it, the car for the first 1,200 miles will only rev to 5,500 RPMs. Will not go any higher. If you want, you can pay for a package and go to a track and learn how to race. Then they'll, and then they can make your car that'll do 150 go 170. Now, think about this. That means that the power is already in the car. But it cannot go there. Until there is something new downloaded, but the power is there. The ability to rev is there. But it can't rev until something is downloaded. You with me? And until your mind is renewed, 
you can have stuff there and not tap into it. It's interesting that that even on that car, that the factory will unlock it to go to about 170, and there are places that will unlock it to go further. So that means there's a way to even go faster. Not that we need to go that fast, but hey, at least you got the potential. You know, just in case you're needing to get to the grocery store quick. 170 miles an hour is a lot faster than 35. And you can get free meals that way because when you get arrested, they'll feed you. But you understand, the potential is there, but until that program is downloaded, until your mind gets renewed, then you'll just never rise up. You'll never boldly confess. You'll never declare, this is how it is. Because it is this way, and so in this verse right here, because remember, we said in conclusion, that's what it said. We need to think right. Is there stuff that belongs to you that you could live your whole life and it's God's will for it to be experienced but not experience it? Or could we do something today and learn how to reach out into the Spirit and start building stuff, making stuff happen? Notice this. Blessed be, verse 3 of the first chapter of Ephesians, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who Notice this word, is going to bless you like you tell you squirm in your seat. Notice it's written in the past tense. Jesus has already died and rose again at this time when this was written. And he said, who has blessed us with every, not most, every Here's what you need to do. You need to believe it's there. You need to believe what you need is already there. It's already yours in Christ. The abilities, the workings, the whatever it is, it's there. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Jesus paid for everything you need. Go to Hebrews Go back to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, then we'll head over to Hebrews. So remember, this teaching is in conclusion, and he said the sword of the Spirit here in verse 17, the sword that works in the spirit realm is based on the spoken words of God. If you want God to work in your life, you have to begin to speak and believe it in your heart. And how can you believe His Word? How can you get faith? The Bible said there's only one way. It comes when you hear God's Word. That's it. So if I don't read God's Word, I don't hear God's Word, I don't accept it or believe it or think in line with it, I become deficient in knowledge. Therefore, I could be misguided. You know, there's always internet sensations, you know, or viral videos. A few years back, there was this Star Wars kung fu guy that came out. And he went to show his skills with nunchucks and stuff, and he started going to town. He started beating himself, knocking stuff over, and he crashed and burned. It became so funny because here he is using these tools, these weapons. He's beating himself up. 
he's thrashing the room. People are sending it to other people because it's funny. But hopefully we don't look like that. I don't know what's happening. You with me? Because we don't control our words. Words are powerful. God's words in themselves are powerful. But it's kind of like not powerful, but it is. The potential is there. You know, I'd seen a video of this stuff that they used in World War II, or I think it might, it might have been after World War II, actually. And they're, they're, they're bigger than a giant candy bar, but about that thick. And the stuff just bent. And they showed it, and you could shoot it with a gun, and you could throw it in a fire, and, and you could do all this stuff, and nothing would happen to it. But if you put this charge into it, man, they were blowing trees over, blowing pipes up, and they were blowing vehicles apart. The potential was there, but not making the right connection, it didn't work right. And so here it says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken Word of God, remember this, know that God's words contain power in themselves. But they become operative when you begin to use them with your mouth. He lives in me. I am a new creation. He does bless everything I set my hand to. Those are Bible verses. He will prosper me. He'll make me above only and not beneath. Those are Bible verses. The problem is, is if I say it today and then later on say, well, it ain't working. You know, there's a verse of Scripture in Galatians that says, if I tear down again what I built up, Wouldn't that be not a good thing to build, tear down, build, tear down? You know, I'm not proud of this, but this is a fact. Prefacing a story. So I, in high school, didn't want to go to school. So I took ROP and took construction. So you'd leave school and go work, and they're building these homes. So we'd get there, and we'd, you know, be framing for a while, and then, then, you know, you need to insulate and, you know, do some plumbing and do some electrical. I feel for the person who got the home, seriously. We built a brick wall so bad in the backyard, they had to stucco the thing. If that doesn't make sense, it was crooked on every degree. And uh, today it might be cool because it would look like modern art, but what would happen is we would... We would be there, and the guy who's running the job would leave, and somebody would say, how fast do you think you could drive all that? I said, we just got it done. And they'd bust a hole in the wall, and they'd go, go. Well, now you've got to tear it down and put it back up. We are wasting time. And they would do this kind of stuff. But I'm not trying to make you shame us and them, but how many Christians tear down what they're building. Lord, I pray you deal with them. Then later on, you're praying and like, Lord, why aren't you doing anything? Those are words that reach into the Spirit. And remember, you're fighting. This is a weapon. And so that could be a battle against your head. And we want to win that thing, right? So turn to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And let's look at something 
Most people know Hebrews, the 11th chapter, if you read the Bible, because they call it the heroes of faith. People who did stuff by faith. They, they won all kinds of battles. They changed all kinds of circumstances. I mean, there were people who couldn't have a baby, were able to have a baby. There were people who had wild animals come at them, uh, lions and different things, and those things didn't hurt them. And I mean, from fire that didn't burn them, from people who needed miracles uh, of food, provision, promised land. I mean, you go through the whole thing, and it keeps saying, by faith they did this, and by faith they did this, and by faith they did this, and by faith. He tells us, you know, how it happened, but he explains what faith is in verse 1. It's believing in something you can't see. So you need to find out what belongs to you in the spirit realm. Isn't that what we tell the world when we introduce them to Jesus? He already died and rose again. It's already paid for. It's already, it's already there. Well, I can't feel it. Doesn't matter. Believe it and call on him. You'll experience, and then the reality will be yours, and then you're gonna, your whole life will change, and people are going to go, what in the world's driving them like that? It's because now the reality that was real in the Spirit is now real in you. In other words, that salvation showed up. And that reality and all those spiritual realities can become substance in your life. Notice this in the third verse. After he explains, let's read verse 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance. Faith is the substance. Literally, that word substance means realization. Faith is realizing things you expect, you hope for. Notice, hope for, it's the evidence, or you could say it like this because he's explaining faith. Faith is the evidence or the proof of things not seen. How does faith come? When you hear God's word. So we've read a verse that says, all spiritual blessings are yours. The realization that they're mine comes through the Word. So I'm like, okay, all these things are mine. Now I need to get it over here. They're mine. I need to get it in my life. Notice verse 2. For by it, by what? This faith. This realization of things that I don't see physically, but I see them in the Word of God. I see that the Word said that. Some people close themselves up and they hear very little from God because inside, in their heart because they say, well, I don't hear from God. But God said, my sheep hear my voice. It'd be better for you to say, he rises up on the inside of me. Bible said, out of my innermost being, this flows. And start building that, because it is a spiritual reality, it needs to become a reality to you. I know this, I am way more keen and recognize things now than I did before. But I went to work and started building this spiritual house. Now the Bible said in Psalms 127, except for the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. He supplied, he's told us what to do. We're the co-laborers, the Bible said, with him. 
And so here it says, for by it, by what? This faith that sees things or understands things that don't appear yet. For by it, by this faith that realizes things that it doesn't see but knows they're real, it said the elders obtained or got a good testimony. It, it changed their words. It changed their words when they started believing something different. When they started believing stuff, and so it goes through this big story, they started believing stuff, and you know that it's wild because there was one person, he was past the age, he was supposed to get this huge inheritance, God said it's yours. God even changed his name and said instead of being Abram, which means a prince, he said, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means a father of many nations. And he couldn't even have a baby. And his wife couldn't either. And she was past childbearing age. But God said, no, it's yours. And so he wasn't moved by what he saw. He got faith by hearing what God said. And he started believing in what he didn't say. see. He started declaring it. He told all his employees because he had a bunch of people, my name is now Abraham. So they're all calling him Abraham. And he can't even have a baby. And he's changed his name by God's direction to I'm a father of many nations. What's God trying to do? Remember, he's the father of our faith. He is the example of our faith. God's trying to get what is the good thought toward him, his design played out in his life. And so here he said, by faith, they got a good testimony. When they heard stuff from the word, it made them confident about what they couldn't see. They started testifying. Could you do this if you live condemned? Sure, the Bible said there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That means God's not condemning you, so you need to start building that, driving off, overcoming. There's no condemnation. God does not condemn me. He made me accepted in the beloved. What am I doing? I'm believing what he said, not what I see and am experiencing, and I'm starting to build something by this good testimony that is based out of a truth. Now, notice this in verse 3, and we'll close with this. By faith, we understand. So they got a good testimony through this faith. In other words, they knew what God wanted. They just needed to get it out of the unseen into the seen. And he's going to tell you how God got it out of the unseen into the seen and what our testimony will do. Notice this. By faith, we understand that the worlds, all the planets, all the stars, the moon, our earth we stand on, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed you could say they were made. They were made. They were framed. Remember? What if God or I came and supplied you with all the material to build a house? You have to frame it. You have to put it together. But it's all yours. Notice it said God framed the world by the word of God. The worlds were framed by the word or the spoken word of God. God framed or made these worlds that you see. Notice this. Verse 13 or verse 3, the last part. 
he said, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen, perceived, touched, and experienced were not made of things which are visible. They're not made of visible things. But they are things, but they're not visible. Notice the things we experience all day long, the pleasures you enjoy. In this earth, were made of things that do not appear. They were framed using unseen substance. In other words, they came out of the spirit realm and we experienced them. We understand this. When we lose our bodies and we leave, we go into that unseen realm. We either go to heaven and be with the Lord or we go to hell. But there is an unseen realm. And the way to affect this seen realm, God said, God said, God said, God said, and he took something, because notice, they were made of things which do not appear, so they are things, and they're not visible. So is healing visible? Not at first. Is it really there? Yes. Is deliverance there? Yeah, but it's not seen, but it's there. Because it's we've already been blessed with it. Is victory over temptation already there? Yeah. Can you resist the devil and he'll flee? Yeah, because he gave you authority. It's already there. But I've got to take and frame my life with the words of God. That's why he said in conclusion, because he had to get them knowing, you're brand new, you're created under good works, God's blessed you, he's raised you up above the devil. You know, those are all things in Ephesians. He was laying it out so now we could get these things implemented in our lives. Grace is important, but it just tells you what you have. Faith brings it into the now. And so what we do is we need to recognize the sword of the Spirit is that you could say it's this, it's the tool that works in the Spirit. What I believe and what I say has great effect. If I believe a thing and declare it, it will set spiritual laws in motion. Go read the Bible from Genesis to the end, and you will see this principle you'll see that Jesus said, nobody can take my life away. What was he doing? He was, he was saying, he said, you know, so on. and Nobody can take it from me. I lay it down. Paul said, I'm not sure what I want to do. Either I'm going to stay or I'm going to go. What I choose, I don't know. Then he said, I'm going to choose to stay. But if you go read through the Bible, you'll see people's testimony was tremendous. And people's testimony first should be influenced by what he said. Then second, by what God deals with you about. Meaning you could have something bad going on in your life, but all of a sudden you start knowing, I've got the victory. I see it in the Word, and I have this witness inside of me. And everything else is saying, bad, bad, bad. What? All this stuff that's seen. It's saying it's not working, it won't work. But think about this. 
God reshaped the scene. Jesus affected the scene when he said, no man eat fruit of this hereafter forever. You go read through the Bible, you'll see people affected things. As a matter of fact, Enoch, just a couple verses later, it said he, he had a good testimony. Verse 5, it says, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. See, because he lived right before the flood. He didn't get on the boat, he got caught up. And notice this interesting thing. It said, for before he was taken, he had this testimony. He was talking. He was talking. He was letting words come out of his mouth. He had this testimony. What was his testimony? That he pleased God. Well, here's the thing. The earth was going to be overtaken. Anybody who wanted to get in the ark could get in the ark. Anybody who would refuse to serve God and was living wrong, they got overcome. But he had a testimony that he wasn't like the rest of them, so God took him. But how did this happen? He heard it inside. He knew it. He knew it from God, and he just had this testimony. He said, I please God. I please God. All the rest of them died in the flood, but not him. He got taken because he had a good testimony. How did he get a good testimony? By faith. And how does faith come? When you hear the Word of God. What it is is you're hearing about the unseen. The un, you should say, I guess you could say it like this, the stuff that is not naturally perceived but is spiritually perceived. Haven't you known a truth from the Bible and went, whoa, that's it, but you're really not experiencing it yet? And then it comes into play. Well, how do I do this? I have to start using my mouth and being careful what I do and what I don't say. If you're a believer and God said you hear from him, then you need to start saying, I get stuff. I hear from God. I have victory over sin. Why? Because he defeated that. I am one who has an inward drive and desire for the things of God. Because the Bible said God works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What are you doing? You're resisting any lies. You're fighting the good fight of faith. And then God takes hold and stuff starts getting framed in your life. We know he has gone to prepare a mansion. But we live in our words today. We do. That's why there's a good atmosphere in here, because good words are spoken. You ever been places after people get into strife and bicker and talk down and you move into there, you go in and you go, ooh, because words are powerful. Jesus said it like this, by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned and you will give an account for every idle word that comes out of your mouth. Some people wonder what they're going to get judged for. Our words, hello. Why? Because he said, actually, your words are the controlling factor that govern your whole life. Go read James. He said, though your tongue's so tiny, he said, it's like a runner on a big, huge ship. You can turn the whole thing. He said, that's how your life gets controlled too. So he said, if you want to control your life, he said, control your tongue. Not your temper, your tongue. Because if you can control your tongue... He said, you'll be able to control your whole body. You'll be able to control your temper. 
But how many people that are believers, and the Bible said that we have the love of God in us, say, you know, I've got a temper problem. And they keep building it into themselves, and they don't realize they could build strength into themselves by saying, I have God's patience in me now. Do you see it? You experiencing it? No, but I'm taking that unseen thing that is a reality and making it the true reality of my life. 